Hey everyone, welcome to the Gatekeepers Podcast. In this episode, Pastor Billy teaches on God's plan for the nation of Israel and its importance for the Lord's return. If you want to know more about Gatekeepers, visit gatecityatl.com slash gatekeepers. Enjoy. Okay, uh, I want to preach a message tonight, um, Israel and the End Time Revival. Israel and the End Time Revival. As Gus mentioned, we're getting ready uh, to get in, uh, be a part of a fast that's taking place from May 7th to May 28th. It's a 21-day fast. And um, I'll just preface this by saying that I've never heard of, like, I've never heard of a fast like what we're about to get into. Um, and, I mean, I've been serving the Lord for a long time and been a part of the prayer movement, fasting and prayer for a long time. And I don't like to hype things. And so I'm being as honest and clear as I can. I've never heard of a fast like what's getting ready to happen. So there are a hundred million believers. Everybody say a hundred million. <laughs> That's a real number. They are prayer networks all across the world that are all being organized on May 28th, and there will be a singular prayer service on May 28th with 100 million believers connecting to it across the globe, praying for the salvation of Israel. I've never heard of a prayer meeting with 100 million people at it. And of course, until this generation, you couldn't do that because the technology wasn't available. And so we're standing in a moment that is historic in the true sense of the word. It's historic like it's never happened in history. But here's what happened. Uh, My good friend and mentor, Mike Bickle, he felt like he was to call a 21-day fast on May 7th leading up to that 100 million person prayer meeting. And there's a variety of prophetic things as to why he felt like he was supposed to call that fast. And so he calls the fast hoping to get 100,000 people involved to fast 21 days. So he puts it out on, you know, an email and internet and social media and all that stuff. And within two weeks, 300,000 people had signed on for a 21-day fast. Now, they were shooting for 100,000. They got 300,000 within two weeks. So he revised it, put another thing out there and said, hey, listen, we're believing for a million now. Go ahead and let all your prayer networks know. And this is before we could even announce it. We we had, you know, other things we were, you know, lined up to announce. And so we wanted to make sure we could focus on it. And by the time we announced it, when Corey was here two weekends ago, they already had a million people who have signed up for a 21-day fast, all for the salvation of Israel. Now, in the history of the planet, this has never happened. A million people fasting and praying for the salvation of Israel, a hundred million people on May 28th, which May 28th is Pentecost. 
on the, on the historic day of the birthing of the church, Acts 2, a hundred million people were gonna, are going to all tap in and fast and, and be praying and fasting for the salvation of Israel. And so when we say this is like historic, that is not an, an, that is not an exaggeration in any way. This has never happened before. Now, this is a really interesting thought because, uh, just a little prophetic thing. So Mike Bickle in 1983 had this prophetic man, Bob Jones, came walking into his office and uh, he says, young man, I've seen you in a hundred visions. You're, you're, you've moved here to Kansas City and God showed me a hundred visions with you in it and uh, you are called to raise up a young adult prayer movement that's going to go 24-7 in the spirit of the tabernacle of David, and it's going to go uh, 24-7, and the centerpiece will be prayer for the salvation of Israel. And, and, Mike, and so he looks at Mike, he goes, so do you, do you care about Israel a lot? Like, is that your thing? He goes, no, I nev- I've never preached on Israel my whole life. He goes, well, are you like, you're like a youth pastor, right? He goes, well, no, I'm actually, I used to be a youth pastor, but now I'm like a senior pastor. And he goes, I for sure had a hundred visions of you. And he goes, but the Lord told me you'd be dull. I just didn't think you'd be this dull. Well, prophets sometimes have to smack you up a little bit. Anyway, long story short, that's 83, 1999, the Lord has speaks so many different ways definitively for 16 years to Mike. He starts IHOP Kansas City, and it's young adults, and it's 24-7, and it's centrally for the salvation of Israel. And that's, that's where we are now is we are, however many, 24 years into that thing. Of course, here we've been hosting uh, 24-hour live worship and prayer for 17 years um, one of two extended, ceaseless worship and prayer meetings that take place in the whole nation. And if you were to ask me, and I'll answer the question as if you just asked me, but if you were to ask me, what is the center of the target of why you do 24-hour live worship and prayer, I would say it's night and day for the salvation of Israel. That's the central reason why we do it. Now, I know you guys are probably every morning and every night before you go to bed, you're probably crying out for revival for Israel. Probably not. And, and that's okay because so many people that are Christians, they kind of like, they know there's some Israel thing and they know like I'm supposed to pray for the peace of Jerusalem or something, but that's about all they know. And so I want to I want to uh, tie the dots, tie together the dots, connect the dots. I want to What was it? That's what's. I want to tie it together, huh? Tie up the loose ends and connect the dots. That's what we're gonna do tonight. Are you with me? All right. Let's pray just for a minute. Let's ask for the spirit of revelation. I need you to t- tap in. I need you to. I won't say that anymore tonight. Um, I need you to focus. Focus with me. I'm going to give you some Bible verses tonight, okay? How many love the Bible? Okay. But how many, like, love the Bible? Okay, good, good, good. good. 
All right, so let's pray, and we'll get into this. So, Lord, we love you. We need the spirit of revelation tonight. Lord, I'm asking that you would help me to speak with clarity and understanding. I pray that the scripture would become very clear to us tonight. Open the eyes of our understanding. Lord, I ask, bring this whole room under the attention of the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, I'm asking, cause our hearts to be moved with passion with what you're passionate about. So help us tonight. Thank you for releasing understanding. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All right. I want to talk to you first about uh, revival. And before we talk about that, I want to talk about how you read the Bible. Okay? And then we'll tie all this up with God's plan for Israel and revival. So when you read the Bible... And notice I'm assuming that you read the Bible. If you don't read the Bible, just go ahead and fix that and start reading the Bible. But when you read the Bible on your own, I'm not asking when you listen to the podcast, when you listen to my message, when you come to the service and listen to the other guy talk about the Bible. But when you read the Bible, when you're doing that like daily, um, notice I said daily, that's so you do it daily. Uh, on, you know, when you're doing your Bible reading on a regular basis, what are you reading the Bible like? Like, how are you reading it? And I don't mean like the word, you know, like I'm not asking how do you read it. I'm saying like, do you read it like it is a devotional? Like, do you open it and kind of go, today I'm feeling sort of Psalms-ish, you know? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Forget none of his benefits. Anybody know this passage? Oh, that was, that was dope. That was like, name that tune, but really fast. Name that Bible verse. Yeah, Psalm 103. So, I mean, do you read it like that? Like, I just want to read my daily psalm, my daily proverb, and my daily New Testament? How many read it that way? Just curious. How many don't want to admit it? Okay. Just sort of kind of, all right, cool. For, my, for most of my Christian life, I read the Bible devotionally, just like that. Like it's a book of devotion. And uh, I just sort of opened it, sometimes to the New Testament, sometimes Proverbs, sometimes Psalms. I didn't want to get lost in the prophets because who knows what they're talking about. And I would just read, and I would look for the verses that seemed to stick out or meant something to me. And I'd be like, bless the Lord, oh my soul, yes. You know, and I would just I would just hunker down on the phrases uh, that seemed to be meaningful, and I would just sort of like ignore the stuff that I didn't understand, and then find a phrase that meant something, and then ignore the stuff I didn't understand, and find a phrase that meant. Something. How many know what I'm talking about? I don't. You know, it's, it's some weird name, weird name, weird name. God loves me. Yes, that's kind of how you read it. That's reading it devotionally. Most Christians read the Bible devotionally. That's how most Christians approach reading the Scripture. There's nothing wrong with it, but here's what you find. If you only read it devotionally, that's your main way that you read the Bible, you'll find after a while you're not really growing past a certain point because you're sort of reading it like a self-help book. You're sort of reading it like it's just sort of like a... You know, what's my daily devotional? What's my daily shot in the arm? It's, it, you're not actually engaging, you know, the scripture in, at a depth. You're reading it sort of shallowly. Does that make sense? 
So what a lot of believers do is they go from reading it devotionally to reading it uh, for doctrine. Because they're like, okay, I'm going to sharpen up. I'm going to go deeper. I'm going to find out a bunch of words that end in shun, justification, sanctification. I'm, I'm going to find out what they all mean. And I'm going to learn the doctrines of Scripture. And then I'm going to learn some ologies, soteriology, pneumatology. I'm going to learn all that. And, man, I'm really going to grow. And, and people get familiar with um, theological approaches. And the most popular one that most people know about is systematic theology. How many know that term, systematic theology? Systematic theology is basically finding all the doctrines of the Scripture, learning all the doctrines, and then you weave together the story of the Scripture based on the doctrines that you learned. A lot of times when you are in church, they'll start new believers off with a doctrine class to teach the doctrines of the Bible. Here's the problem with just studying doctrines. When you study doctrines or just systematic theology that is lining up all the doctrines of the Scripture, you miss that the Bible is not written as a book of doctrine. It's actually not written that way. The Bible is written as a narrative, a drama that has a storyline that starts in Genesis and goes all the way to Revelation. 66 books, a bunch of different authors, not one contradiction. But here's the other thing that's, you know, amazing about that is the storyline is the same storyline. So what I always encourage people to do that are trying to learn the Scripture, to understand the Bible, is move from reading it um, devotionally, move from that to reading it, I'll call it, dramatically which is the story of the Scripture. If you don't read the story of the Scripture, if you're not trying to understand the story arc, you will miss what's going on. And this is why systematic theology leaves us short. If I just find out all the doctrines and then try to weave the story together based on the doctrines I know, the doctrines will actually shape the storyline in a way that's not intended by the storyline. Let me... Let me give you a, an example. Star Wars. We mentioned it May the 4th. Huh? Revenge of the 5th. Very nice. All right. The fact that you actually just went ahead and did that joke and you just, you just boldly said, like, May the 4th, and everybody went, boo, and you went, uh-huh. It was fairly gangster. I was like, that was, that was strong. That was strong. That, that, I mean, it, when it comes to dad jokes, that was a strong dad joke droppage. All right, so most of us understand Star Wars a little bit. Okay, wait, okay, crap. Um, okay, how about Lord of the Rings? Do we understand that a little bit? Okay, well, we'll work on it. We'll work on Lord of the Rings. If I talk about... Uh, the elves in Lord of the Rings, and I talk about how they um, have a, oh gosh, Saya, help me. What's their star that they got their life from? Oh my gosh, Cimmerillion. Huh? 
the moon? No, 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 they have a star. Yes. But they have a, that's our most precious star. What is it, what is it? Do you guys realize that Kobe is my own personal troll? Have y'all figured that out yet? He follows me around and trolls me because he loves me. That's how I interpret. All right. If I had my mind around it better, I would. But the, the elves have a life force in them, right? So if I sit here and talk to you about the life force that's in the elves, the life force that's in the elves, the life force that's in the elves, and I'm nailing that point, right? Are you understanding what Lord of the Rings is about? Not at all, right? If I start talking about, like, um, I mean, I could talk about Sauron and how he's a, what is he? He's a Maiar. And I start talking about the Maiar. If I talk about all that stuff, Maiar and how Sauron's a Maiar and all that stuff, do you understand Lord of the Rings? No. So those are doctrines inside the story of Lord of the Rings. You have to understand the whole story arc, and then you start understanding, oh, the elves, they got eternal life. Oh, they got it from the dude. Okay. Oh, Sauron, he's a bad guy. Got it. You can't understand the doctrine if you don't get the story. Does that make sense? All right. I'm going to warm up here in a minute. I'll start hitting pretty good. So when you're reading the scripture, you got to read it dramatically. You have to see the broad story. And the thing that I always look at is, who is God and what is the story? And the reason why I look at that is Ephesians 3.8. If you're taking notes, write that down. Because Paul described that's, that was his whole ministry. Ephesians 3.8 and 9, he goes to proclaim the riches, the incomparable riches of Christ, and to let everyone know what is the story, the unfolding story. Here's the deal about the unfolding story. You're still in the unfolding story right now. We're still in the unfolding story of the scripture, and we got to catch that point. Otherwise, our Christianity just gets really dull. It gets really meaningless and really boring. It just ends up becoming like behavior modification, and, you know, maybe we should try to, like, you know, just tell everybody they're wrong for doing bad stuff. I mean, and, and so if you don't understand the story arc you, you really, it's like you're really disconnected from what God is bringing and what God is doing in the earth in your generation and in all the generations. Am I making sense yet? So here's what I would tell you about the story arc of the scriptures. The two biggest days that the planet will ever see are still in front of us. In this age, and the Bible story arc tells us there's multiple ages. In this age, the two biggest days that this planet will ever see are actually directly in front of us. Those two days are, are incredible, shocking days. The first one is a day of global revival is coming to the planet, biblically. I'm going I'm to show it to you as biblical fact here in just a second. The second day is the day that the Lord Jesus returns. He's coming back to the planet. Watch this. When he comes back, we don't all just like turn into fat babies 
floating on clouds, wearing togas, playing harps. When he comes back, time doesn't stop. Time continues. In fact, people use this term, the end of the world. The end of the world is not coming. That's not a thing in the Bible. What is coming is heaven and earth are coming together, and there'll be a new heavens and a new earth. A shocking truth is this place goes on and on and on and on. Heaven is coming here. Now, again, the story arc is what's critical for you to understand, because if you don't know the story arc, you'll start superimposing all sorts of things on the story that aren't real, and you'll get your doctrine from movies and cartoons. You ever seen a cartoon where, like, the angel appeared on one shoulder and, like, the devil appeared on the other shoulder? Or when the guy died and turned into an angel? People actually believe that's reality. They literally get their doctrine from cartoons. But you got to understand the scripture. you got to know the story arc so that you can have clarity on where this thing is going, who is God, and where this thing is going, and what's your part. Because you have a part in the story. And that's what you got to catch. These things don't happen just on the wheels of inevitability. They don't just happen just because it says they're going to happen. They happen because people engage with God to bring the story to pass. Okay? Revival and the return of the Lord. I just, because I love revival so much, I just had a couple revival quotes. I just want to read them to you really fast. Revival above everything else is the mass glorification of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I love that one. That's Martin Lloyd-Jones. But this one is the bomb. If you want to read one book on revival, it's not even my book. I'm not even going to tell you to read my book. One book on revival, it's by Arthur Wallace, In the Day of Thy Power. That book will jack you up. Arthur Wallace, In the Day of Thy Power. Here's a quote from Arthur Wallace. Revival is a divine intervention in the normal course of spiritual things. It is God revealing himself to man in awful holiness and irresistible power. It is such a manifest working of God that human personalities are overshadowed and human programs abandoned. It is man retiring into the background because God has taken the field. It is the Lord making bare his holy arm and working extraordinary power on saint and sinner. I love revival. Because in revival, God expresses himself. Unleashed God. All right. All right, look at this scripture with me, Revelation 7. I want to show you, I want to show you the biblical fact that revival is coming to the entire planet. I believe revival, revival is coming to our region and maybe when it comes to our region, it's the day that it comes to the whole planet. But maybe it's a moment of revival unto the, what I like to call the big R, all right? Revelation 7, I'll just give this to you quickly. There's two groups of people that are pictured in Revelation 7. One group is all Jewish people. And then the next group is all Gentile people. So Jewish people from the nation of Israel... 144,000 are pictured in Revelation 7. Then it changes, and there's a massive, massive multitude. 
more than can be numbered. And we pick it up here in verse 9. It says, after these things, I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations. Everybody say all nations. All nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Now, they're, they're there in front of the throne. There's this massive, massive, you know, uh, multitude from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. There's the 24 elders that are around the throne, and this is one of the wildest parts of the book of Revelation, in my opinion. John is there in this heavenly encounter. He's looking at this massive multitude, and one of the elders asks John a question. Now, that's just bizarre. You're in a full-on heavenly encounter, and one of the characters in the encounter actually starts talking to you. Like, that's really interesting. And he says this. Then one of the elders, verse 13, answered saying to me, who are these arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? Now, just for some of you Bible nerds, many people believe that of the 24 elders that are around the throne, 12 are the 12 patriarchs of Israel, and the other 12 are the 12 apostles of the Lamb. This is just a little Bible geek moment. Watch this. So one of the elders reaches out to John and asks him a question. It's entirely possible it's John asking himself a question. It could be. It's one out of 24 chance. Which is the kind of a fun thing that I think God would probably do. He's like, man, you look familiar, elder guy. Whoa. And so the elder asked him, who are these guys and where did they come from? And John responds, verse 14, I said to him, sir, you know, and this is just one of those moments where you just got to catch God's humor. The guy in the throne room is asking John, hey, who are these people? Like, Duh, dude, you're, I'm the visitor. Why is, why is the elder asking John the question? So that John finds out the answer. Sir, you know. So he said to me, of course I do, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. All right, I'm going to cover a lot of story here. The great tribulation is the last three and a half years of this age. These are all people who came out of that time frame, the last three and a half years of this age. They're all washed in the blood of the Lamb. They all have gotten born again, okay? Where are they from again? Yeah, they're from the last three and a half years, but what, what part of the earth? Every nation. So that tells me that there's going to be people who are born again in every tribe, tongue, people, and nation who all get saved before the Lord returns in this age. 
Do you guys see, agree, see that? Yeah? I mean, some estimates have 4,000 unreached people groups right now on the planet. Well, I'm going to tell you, every single one of them is going to have a revival spirit in those people groups before the Lord returns. That's where this thing is going. When Acts 2 says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, the entire planet is going to come under the power of the Holy Spirit. Guys, this is a day in your future. Okay? This is not like, oh, that's a nice Bible verse. I read it devotionally. made my heart move. No, this is tomorrow's headlines. There will be a revival spirit in every tribe, tongue, people, and nation before the Lord returns in this age. It's coming to this planet. Some scholars believe that all of these, this multitude that's pictured, they're not just saved, they're all martyrs. Because they came out of the great tribulation, the time of the greatest crisis and the greatest persecution, and they all get saved to the extent that they're willing to even lay their lives down for the Lord Jesus. It's about to get real on the planet. There's a revival coming that will touch every single unreached people group, every single nation, every single dialect. People will be getting born again in every nook and cranny of the entire globe before the Lord returns. So one of the phrases people use is they call it the billion soul harvest. I personally think billion might be too small. Okay? This is your future. I don't have to be prophetic. I can just read. It's in the Bible. It's already prophetic. This is your future. If you think you might be living in the generation in which the Lord returns, which I don't know if it's 10 years or 100, I think it's near. I don't think it's far off. I think it's really close. 100 is very close when you think of human history. But if you think, it's in, if you think the Lord's return is in your lifetime, in your generation, you're going to see this with your own eyes. And so when he says, I'm going to pour my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters are prophesy, that's going to be some young generation somewhere. I don't think it's, I think it is odd that we went from boomers to X, Y, and Z. Z is the last one. And then we start over at A. I just think it's bizarre that Z is perhaps could be the last full generation. Why did they change it X, Y, Z? That's weird. I don't know. Maybe it's prophetic. It's not a Bible verse. I'm just saying. Could be. But here's the thing. If you believe the Lord is coming in any near time frame, then this is what's coming to the planet, guys. This is not maybe. This isn't I hope so. This is a Bible verse. This is real. John saw this. He was there, and he just read us the headlines. And the reason why the Lord had the, the elder tap on him and ask him the question, because he wanted to highlight this and get this in the Bible. They came out of the great tribulation, the last three and a half years of this age. They made their robes white in the blood of the Lamb, every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Now, if I had time, I could show you in Revelation 8 where every single prayer that's ever been prayed on the planet, it's been stored in bowls before the Lord, and they're all poured out at the same time. 
Have you ever felt like, man, you're praying for stuff, you're praying for stuff, you're just praying, 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 and you're like, dang, I don't really see anything happening. I'm just praying a ton. I'm telling you, there's a moment coming on the planet where every single prayer that's ever been prayed, that's been stored before the throne in bowls of incense, it's all going to get poured out at the same time, and glory is going to hit the planet. So when you guys are on Monday night, and you're crying out for Gen Z, and you're like, ah, and you're like, I don't feel anything, but ah, and three hours later, it's ah. I got a video from the first night, and it was two hours and 45 minutes in, and the two hours, 45-minute mark, I videoed it, and it's ah, it was wild. I'm like, these guys are meat eaters. They're carnivores. But when you are praying, I promise you, what goes up must come down. The prayers aren't hitting the ceiling and bouncing back. They're not just going up into oblivion. They're actually stored before the throne in golden bowls, golden bowls of incense. It's the prayers of the saints. And there's a moment coming where every single prayer is going to all be turned and answered at once. And I believe that's the moment of global revival. This is your future, guys. I need you to see yourself in the story. This isn't somebody else's prayers. This is the prayers of the saints. This is your prayers. Now what's wild to me is it's going to be a young generation that powers this thing. Acts chapter 2, when he's quoting Joel, he says, it shall come to pass in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And who's the first one pictured? Sons and daughters will prophesy. It's this young group that's leading the way, leading the prophetic charge. And so, man, if you can see yourself in the storyline, the unfolding drama, it changes the way you think about how you live every single day. It changes the mentality about what you're doing with your life. So here's what I want to tell you. That's the big R. Are you guys here with me tonight? Are y'all quiet tonight for some reason? Yeah, a little bit. That's okay. I love you guys. I'll, I'll preach like this. I'll just, just chill. I'll just chill. Should I just dial it back a little bit? Okay. All right. I'm just trying to meet y'all. I'm just trying to meet y'all where y'all are tonight. You know, I'm just trying to just meet you. All right, so Acts 3. All right. There's appointed seasons of revival before the big R. Everybody say big R. I just like that. But there's appointed seasons of revival unto the big R. The, the Bible calls them times of refresh, refreshing. Times of refreshing. Acts 3.19. Repent, therefore, be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who has preached to you before. Watch. Times of refreshing, and he'll send Jesus Christ, who has preached to you. Do you see how it works together? The times of refreshing, that word refreshing, it's a Greek word, anapsuxis. I love that word. Anapsuxis. It literally means a recovery of breath. It's, a, it's, it's, the, it's the clearest word we have in the New Testament for revival. Anapsuxis. Recovery of breath. He goes, there's times of recovery of breath. And he will send the Lord Jesus. He puts these times of revival, they're like these pearls on a string. He puts them all together unto the coming of the Lord Jesus. 
So it's revival, 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 unto big R, and then the Lord returns. Are y'all following me? I'm giving you the storyline. Now here's what's cool about these times. That word times, it's kairos. Everybody ever heard that word kairos? It's a Greek word. It means appointed. Who said it? You did. You've heard me preach this about 12 times. Appointed times. What does that mean? That means God put these times in his calendar. God's already got times that he has set aside, and he says, I am going to release revival. It's in my calendar. It's going to be these times of recovery of life, recovery of breath, and he's already put those in his calendar, and he's got these times of refreshing all the way unto the big R. These are what's in your future. So when we pray for revival in our generation, we pray for revival in Gen Z, guys, we can catch, we can catch a time of refreshing. Here, here's what I always think about. So if it's already planned, it's going to happen anyway. No, 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 that's not how it works. God has a desire. He has a calendar. He has a plan. And then he starts stirring a people because God never does anything. He never does anything without his people asking him to do it. He always engages his people in prayer to cry out for his will so that he then will accomplish his will in the earth. He doesn't move apart from the prayers of his people. Y'all going to have to talk back to me a little bit tonight. I mean, I'm, I'm like sweating up here. I can't get an amen. <laughs> it is a John Wesley quote. What is That's right. Wesley said that? I thought I made that up. <laughs> like I've always said, John Wesley taught God does nothing except for in response to the prayers of his people. That's why your prayers are important. That's why it matters when you pray. That's why you engaging with the heart of God is critical. And that's why the enemy wants to shut you down, shut your mouth, put oppression on you. That's why he wants to pull you out of the game. He wants to fill you with shame. That's why he wants to get you focused on your trauma and get you focused on your, on your, on your broken heart. We got to get our eyes off our broken heart. We got to get our eyes on Jesus. We got to get our eyes off our wounds and get our eyes on the one who heals the wounds. Come on. Whatever you stare at, that's what's going to become the biggest thing in your life. And I'm just, I'm, I know I said this last week, but I'm so aware of this. They want to diagnose you, so you focus on your diagnosis, because it's a plan of the devil to keep you out of your identity in God. So that you'll trade your identity as a son and a daughter and someone who's got an access before the throne, you'll trade that for a diagnosis. And you'll find yourself completely handicapped from stepping into the very thing that God's created you to be and do. Someone who can partner with him. So there's these times coming, these times of revival. Now let me, let me tie this all together. And this is where this fast, why this fast matters. Romans 11 tells us about the story arc. Verse 25, let's just look at this. He says, I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, 
that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Israel has partial blindness until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. What is the fullness of the Gentiles? It's the full number of Gentiles who are going to get saved in this age. It's that Revelation 7 company that we saw. That's the fullness of the Gentiles. Every tribe, tongue, people, and nation with a revival spirit washed in the blood of the Lamb before the throne of God coming out of the great tribulation. That is the fullness of the Gentiles. The finality of the Gentile harvest. Once that comes in, blindness that's been on Israel is coming off of them. Okay? Listen, Israel, they've, they're the ones that gave us the covenants. They're the ones that God spoke the law to. They're the ones through whom Jesus came. Messiah came through the Jews. Jesus' countrymen, his brethren, it's all Jews. Every one of the disciples was Jews. And, and there's been a whole thing in the church where people want to replace Israel with the church. And if, if, if we take all the promises that are made to Israel and we say that's just all for the church now, then what we've actually done is we've made God a liar. Because he made a promise to a people and a nation in a certain place who had a certain lineage. He made promises to them, and he wasn't goofing around. He wasn't playing like a, a shell game and like moving the goalposts on them. He was telling them, I promise you there's glory that's going to come on your land. You have an eternal covenant with me. And he brought Messiah through them, and he didn't bring Messiah through them just to lose them. He didn't make Abraham the father of Isaac, the father of Jacob, who changed his name to Israel, the father of many nations. He didn't do that to bring forth Messiah just to like cut that nation off and lose them. In fact, Romans 11.1, 1, he says, God has not cast off his people whom he foreknew. He calls them his people still after the cross. This is important, guys. They're blind right now. They've rejected their own Messiah. Romans 1.16, the gospel is to the Jew first. Watch this. You know the gospel that you love, that Jesus on the cross dying and shedding his blood for your sin? That gospel, that covenant, that is a covenant to the Jewish people that you got in on because they rejected Messiah. And that's what Paul teaches in Romans 11, that them saying no enabled all the Gentiles, you and me. If you're not Jewish in this room, you're a Gentile. It enabled us to get in on the promises, the promises of salvation, the promises of glory. We're all in because they said no. But guess what? Their no isn't going to stay no. That blindness that's been on them, it's coming off of them. When the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, watch this. A blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel shall be saved. That doesn't mean every Jewish person that's ever lived. It means every Jewish person that's on the planet at that time, they're all going to get born again. It's going to be a 100% born again nation. But here's what I've got to get you to understand. This doesn't happen just because we've got Bible verses. 
God makes it all contingent on intercession. He puts us in the game to bring it to pass. Now I'm going to read a very familiar scripture to you. Isaiah 62. Watchman on the wall. Anybody ever heard of watchman on the wall? Let me just see. We've heard this phrase, but we don't know what this even is talking about. In Isaiah 62, God explains that he is zealous for Israel. He's zealous for them. His heart is burning for them. In fact, he won't stop talking about them. He won't stop thinking about them. And he wants them to become burning in bright righteousness. He wants them to be like a diadem in the hand of the king. He basically says, you're going to be my jewel, and they're going to change your name. You're no longer going to be called forsaken, Israel. You're going to be called married. The promises that are in Isaiah 62 are shocking. They're glorious. But when I read Isaiah 62, I get stumped sometimes because I think about the Jewish nation and the way that they think about Jesus, and they are mostly agnostic, and they mostly don't want anything to do with Jesus or Christianity. And in a lot of ways, we have the Crusades to thank for that. Just do your history, and you'll find out why. But here's what Isaiah 62 says. For Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest. Until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns. I go, Lord, I see that. That is your plan. You're going to bring this nation who's been obstinate and against you, you're going to bring them to burning righteousness. They're going to be shining and burning righteous people. That's what they're going to be. Okay, I see that. But they don't like Jesus. How are you going to get them there? Partial blindness is on them. Verse 6. I've set watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. And you who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent and give him no rest until he establishes and until he makes Jerusalem the praise of the earth. What's he talking about? He's talking about the day when the partial blindness lifts. He's talking about the day when all Israel is saved. He's talking about the day when the Lord Jesus himself returns and he rules and reigns from Jerusalem. The scripture is very clear that when Jesus returns, it says the law will go forth from Zion and he, God, Jesus, will teach us his ways. Jesus is going to have teaching meetings from Israel. And there's about a dozen scriptures, if I had time tonight, I would show them to you, where people will be streaming, they will be running to Jerusalem because Jesus will be there. He will be the glory in the midst. He himself will be on the planet. That's a conference you want to go to, by the way. Far better than Taylor Swift. Just wanted to mention that. Not that I've got a problem with Swifties. Or maybe I do. Anyway. Jesus is coming back. He's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. And every single Jewish person on the planet at the time is going to get born again. But the plan that God has to bring that to pass is people crying out night and day. you got to catch this. It's people who love Jesus and love his ways crying out, watchmen set on the wall, 
night and day for Jerusalem. It's the people who join their heart with God's desires to see God's plans come to pass. Guys, I want to tell you something. There are times of refreshing coming. There is a massive global revival coming. Every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, it's going to hit the planet. He's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Jesus is going to return. And the Bible says very clearly, when the Lord returns, they who pierced him, they who crucified him, they will see him with their own eyes, and they will mourn. That blinder is going to get lifted off of them, and it is going to hit the whole nation. They will be in shock that the very Messiah who came to bear their sin, who loved them, that he's the one that they've been hating, that they crucified, and they've been hating for all these years, and he is going to show up, and they're going to look at him, and they're going to mourn when they realize it's been Jesus all along. And he's going to look at them, and he's going to say, I love you ever still. I love you ever still. And in one moment of glory, the entire nation will bow the knee to Jesus Christ. He'll set up camp in Jerusalem. And Isaiah 16 verse 5 says, in the rebuilt tabernacle of David, which is night and day worship and prayer, he will begin to rule and reign on the planet. Guys, this thing goes on for quite some time. And this is where I'm going to end it. You and I have a part to play in it. Kenny, you can come on. You and I have a part to play in it. These things don't happen just because. They don't happen inevitably. They happen because people answer God's heart, God's desire. It's just like this. The gospel doesn't go forth to the nations just because. It requires people to preach it, right? Intercession doesn't happen just because. It requires people to pray it. Your prayers matter. Your prayers for revival matter. Your prayers for outpouring matter. Your prayers for your friend who's struggling right now matter. And just because you don't see an instant change in that person, that doesn't mean you just give up. No, you stay with it. You keep pounding away until breakthrough comes. I want every single one of us praying for people who don't know the Lord. Like we should all be praying for our friends and our family members that don't know the Lord. We should all be praying for people in our class. Pick the hardest one. Seriously. Pick they and pick the hardest one and start going after them in prayer. Because what you're going to do is you're going to push darkness off of their mind through the intercession. And all of a sudden... They're gonna get, their conscience is going to come alive, and they're going to get sensitive to the Lord. And right now, where they're getting choked out, you're going to pray, and it's going to break that off of them, so that one day, you're going to have a moment, and you're going to tell them, you know what, I just wanted you to know, I care about you, and I've been praying for you. And it's going to prick them. Well, listen, he can do it for that kid in your class, or that person at your work, he can do it for them. I mean, it's like not hard for him. And ultimately, he's going to do it for the entire nation of Israel. And so I want to pray for a moment. 
And I want to ask us to engage with what I'm sharing because right now, I, I mean, I, I don't know how to get it clearer for you. There is a prayer meeting and a prayer movement happening right now that's never been before on the whole planet. There's 21 days of fasting, May 7th through May 28th. We're going to break it on Pentecost Sunday. It's never happened before. This is our time. This is our moment to engage with this. And, you know, I can say it really clearly. Like right now, I've never seen one like this. Maybe in uh, three years, there'll be one with two million people praying and fasting. And that will be another time I'll say, I've never seen it like this. But I've never seen this before. And I just believe this. We want to see revival in our generation. You've got to see them as linked. The revival that we want to see in Gen Z, the global revival that's all tribes and tongues and people and nations, and the outpouring that's going to happen in Israel, they're all connected, guys. It's all part of the same story arc. Am I making sense? All right, stand with me. I missed you guys all week. I did. And then I acted like a geek and told y'all in, in the chat. Sorry. Because I've been thinking about what God wants to do with you and through you and in your lives. How he wants to dial you into something that's so much greater than yourself and a storyline that's so much bigger. Some of you have never fasted before. I want to challenge you to fast. I'm going to be fasting. Mary Beth and I, we're going to be fasting. We're going to go 21 days. You don't have to fast everything. You know, if you've never fasted before, fast a meal, one a day. Just fast one meal. Or if you've, if you've done fasting and prayer before, that's great. Go for it. Go liquids. If you're feeling super hardcore, go water. I probably won't go just water. It's kind of intense. I'll wait for the Lord. But I'm asking you to jump in. This is our moment. And I think right here at the beginning of our time being in gatekeepers, calling a 21-day fast for the salvation of Israel, calling us to this watchman on the wall identity, I know that sounds so intense, but it's so awesome. Let's just start out of the gate like that instead of like trying to figure out how to be cool so people would like us. Let's just start. Start out putting all the cards on the table. This is how we're going to live. This is how we're going to do it. All right, let's pray. Lord, we need you so much. Like we worshiped and prayed tonight. God, I pray you'd crack our hearts open. Lord, I'm asking that you would give revelation that we would connect to the reality of your desires for us and the plan that you're unfolding. So God, even right now, speak to every heart. What is it you'd ask us to do? How is it you want us to engage? Some of you, he's really, right now, he's inviting you to a 21-day fast. 
Maybe it's a Daniel fast. Maybe it's just no meats and no sweets. But man, I want to do this with you guys. I don't want to, I don't want to do this alone. I, I want to do it with you guys. Some of you need to pray about it, like, okay, Lord, what is it you're asking me to do? Maybe you feel led, but you need to get clarity. I understand that. We start May 7th, so we're, we're, you know, a week and a half out. But Lord, I'm asking even right now, Holy Spirit of God, even right now, make it super clear to us how you'd want us to engage. Speak to us. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message ministered to you and that the Lord met you. You can follow us on Instagram at gatekeepersatl. We'll see you in the next episode.